Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so for having us. So good to see you so again. You too. You too. Well, I've got uh, Juliet Starrett and her husband, uh, Kelly. Uh, you know, no, that's, right. that's, the, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the right description. And you nailed it perfectly. No one else has nailed that. That's great. <laughs> when people ask who I am, I'm like, I'm Jordan's husband. Uh, and just leave it at that. Well, hey, first off, congrats on the bestseller, uh, Built to Move. We're going to dive into that. And um, a must read for, for everyone. And funny enough, you guys are close friends with John Wellborn, who we have on every Friday. He, he dual hats the uh, the Everyday Warrior with me, as well as Kirk Parsley, who is a unique doctor. In his I own met right. Kirk when he was still active duty. He is, he and is he had a character. He had a drawer full of supplements that he was like, we got to do something different. Like, it's not working. <laughs> like, look at this drawer of supplements I have. And I was like, all right, I, I see a future here. And he did. He created he did. A, a sleep aid that is pretty good. Uh, I know. Pretty damn good. Well, guys, um, yes, Kelly, we might as well tell the story. We, we, we go back to Naval Special Warfare Development Group. You came out to work with our class going through training. Yeah. And, and we remember that vividly because we were all standing. Like 2013 or something? It's it like was it was 2012. Okay. Wow. But we were all standing in that stance where you, you pigeon toe in a little ass out, right? Is sort of. The sort idea. Of. The idea was what I mean. We can't. That was from the day of saying, "Hey, look, where are we going to put all these reps?" We're asking a lot of the students. So where can we hide better mechanics? And I'm pretty sure it was Musashi who was like, "Make your combat stance your everyday stance." Yes. And so I was like, "Why don't you practice your shooting posture?" I saw people penetrate the into the room too far and have their foot turned out and not be able to sweep. I was like, "Oh, well, why don't we just practice this?" And that way you could just hide the reps. And then when it time to came to do something you really cared about, you were already doing it. Funny enough. That posture continued on. I know you were with us for a week. As you left, you'd see a guy sort of like, oh, and he'd get into the posture, knowing that we're wearing all the plates and the body armor, which I think, what, it's probably around 80 pounds uh, altogether, plus the weapon hand no across your chest. Yeah, so, no, I, I remember that vividly. Well, you know, if we're, we're getting to it, those experiences really helped me understand how I needed to shape the work we were doing and also say, where are we going to have some agency and control? It's untenable and unmanageable to wear that much weight, be that high dehydrated, to be that stressed. You, we're basically saying we've got a hundred things we can't control for. So where are we going to put these things? Even just the, the idea of the twenty-four hour duty cycle that we started in this book, Julie and I, came out of the Marine Aviation Weapons Tactical School. That we were there and we we're like, how the hell are these underslept kids possibly going to do anything that is a net positive to the system? It's. You know what? It's amazing when you match passion with opportunity, and and those kids will go for days. But it, it, I mean, I, and, and when you're young, let's be honest. Oh. I mean, Julie, I met Juliet at the World Championships for whitewater paddling in Chile. We were 24, or and, I was 24, and it just doesn't matter. Like I cut off my hand one day, it grew back the next day. Remember those days? It was so great. <laughs> it was so I had great. hair until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. And I, what I think now is, wow, we could have gone faster. We could have even been better. That's what, that's what I think. We didn't know what we, we didn't know. And we were working at the limits of our understanding. Now I'm like, wow, we really could have achieved even more. Maybe had some more durability. Maybe we could have prevented. We broke a lot of eggs we didn't need to break. You know what I say? Is if I could go back in everything you taught us in the early days in the military, I, I asked myself, I wonder how, I'm going to use it, less broken I would be how better my hips would be, how, you know, my joints, everything. 
we are getting smarter, and the military has gotten a lot smarter. Oh. When I first joined, it was pay. It pays to be a winner every morning. Oh yeah, right. It was like a run, swim, run, and I mean, you were going full out on pavement, five miles to a pool, swim as fast, another five miles back. No swimming technique instruction. No running technique instruction. Whoever went there faster. That was our model. We inherited that model from sport. As long as you went faster, that must have been a better way. Right? And it really was a short-sighted view because we were like, well, look, this this kid was faster today. That's all that matters. Well, and I think that's one of the things that we w- – what also motivated us to write this book is I was a Division One rower in college. And I look back – this was in the early 90s. And I look back and I think, man, same thing. What if I had had all these tools ready for you me? You did. You, you had know, bagels and Instead, I was eating mochas. a fat-free diet and – you know, our in-gym training was terrible. Our entire training program was how much volume can we do two-a-days, you know, all year long, year-round sport. And, you know, so one of the amazing things that this sort of health, wellness, fitness revolution has done has made people like athletes and, you know, the military has gotten so much more sophisticated, but we've done a shit job of bringing anybody else into this conversation. So if I had taken my 19 year old rowing self and plopped her into a rowing program today, it would be super sophisticated. I'd be tracking my sleep. I would have performance coaches, you know, I would have access to so much information and my training would be so much more sophisticated and maybe my body wouldn't be as broken. But you know, what Kelly and I see is that like, we're in this little vertical of people who are into this because we like to move our bodies or we have a history of doing some kind of physical pursuit, but we're like one percenters, you know, we're like physical one percenters. And then like 99% of people have literally no tools of any kind to do anything to even, you know, press play on their body at all. And the other challenge for us, we've, you know, we, we like to make fun of ourselves and say, we've been trying to run this stretching company for 20 years, but you know, you know this, you know, human beings find us and become evangelists of our program more often when they're already injured. And then that's when they sort of have the realization they're injured or they're old or stiff. And it's this yeah. has been the age old problem we've had in trying to run a business is how do we get people to care before they get hurt or injured or can't do the things they like so to you do. So you go to 23-year-old, 24-year-old Mike's rally and be like, hey, let's, hey we're going to go do a 10-mile ruck run. Let's, let's do some stretching. It would have been out of the movies where I'm smoking the last oh, few puffs. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and I would have taken it from Go fuck it. yourself. I'm good. Right. It's just yeah, 10 yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah, You're like, this body doesn't need that. I used to tell my coach, I'm already pre-stretched. What are we doing? Like, I can beat you at anything. Let's go. Like, I, I can't be hurt. I think you bring up this really good point, both of you actually, that what we oftentimes haven't done a great job of is sell something based on defense, right? Don't do this because you're gonna, it will prevent you from blah, 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 blah. And there are processes that exist. Like you, you have to take apart and clean your weapon, do preventive maintenance and stuff because that's what you do. We've learned that lesson. But what we didn't say to people was, I actually think you can go faster. I think you can get more work done. I think it's a competitive advantage to do these things. And when we actually show you that you can go faster and feel better and set world records, then you're like, what was that again? Show me more of that. And so we really try as often as we can. We're all like, hey, let's not have pain be the limiter here or the the deciding factor should do something. It should be, can I get better at what I want to do? Waking up pain-free or having your back not hurt, that's cool. But that's a, honestly, that's a pretty low bar. When I start to make it easier for you to do what you want to do, then we've got you. But that's a tough sell. I mean, it's been really, we've been trying to do that for an age, right? You say, I, I, I like to say that psychology is, is lazy. It always oh. is yep. the default to the path of least resistance. Yeah. Yep. And, well, if you want me to stretch, I'm going to have to take five minutes out of my day. 
Like it's just that's right. It's not a problem until it's a fucking problem. Well, it's, yep. So I was just talking to a friend at some tier one military group, and uh, they said that they were looking at all the things to help their commandos be better at sleep, and it turned out the guys who went dry for a month did not only improve their testosterone, but going dry and not drinking for a month was the only thing that's ever been clinically shown to improve their sleep. And those commandos, wait for it, one best commando group during the monthly commando competition. And if you ever want to make a case for a guy not drinking for a month, watch him boost their test, watch him get sleep better on, and watch him win. And now suddenly guys are like, huh, I wonder if maybe I'll make a different decision because I can have a performance advantage by not reaching for the bottle. You just said, let's not have any fun. Isn't that crazy? You just removed alcohol? Yeah, I mean, you just killed Could you fun. imagine our he training trips fun. without alcohol? Dude. Screw yeah, you, just, buddy. I know. I, dude, I hear you. And I think that's what's, that's what's amazing is that when we can start to say, all right, we're big boys and girls here. Bourbon is, I'm pretty sure, proof of God's intelligence and God's love. I get it. I really do. Like we, But when I'm in peak stress or I'm in peak... I'm trying to achieve something, then maybe I say, hey, that's a decision I don't, I don't do because it's going to limit. Now I'm on vacation. I'm on R&R. I'm, I'm hanging celebrating out. I'm something. celebrating. We pull out. We're back. We pull out the bourbon. And it becomes a moment versus this is my coping strategy because the burr is so high it's going to catch on the sheets tonight. I don't know how to hit stop. Could you imagine if we reinstated because obesity? Can, yes. yes. If we reinstated <laughs> it because obesity gets so bad. That we have, no, we have no other choice. That's it. I mean, it's almost like the military right now, I think we're going to have to reinstate the draft at some point because recruiting is so wow. low. And, is, and, and sort of apropos of this conversation, is recruiting low because kids aren't interested or is it because there's not enough kids who actually are physically prepared also, enough to be able to join? Also. Well, Juliet, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I will take this stage. So one, I think the last study we saw was that 80% of right. you know young males and females in that range of 18 to 22 are not uh, eligible for service for a number of reasons. Health, mental, uh, amongst other things. So that's a warning signal to yeah. the nation right there. Two, there's a lot of bad press right now. The the military is like the police officers of like 2021. We're just we're getting it from the media from all all uh, which ways. And I guess there was an article that recently came out in the Wall Street Journal about how even veterans are not telling their kids to enlist. Um, I would still tell my son to enlist. It was the best time ever. You're going to work for great field leaders. Don't worry about what's going on in the Pentagon. That doesn't really affect you. Yeah, the emperor is far from the field. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I had a blast, and you're surrounded by amazing men and women. And that's the bottom line. You will belong to a tribe. Here's the problem with the military, and this is what really pisses me off. And you know where we come from. We think asymmetrically. We don't like to color within the lines. We like to look at a problem set and come up with asymmetric solutions that nobody else would thought of. Is, yes, you've got a, uh, a recruiting problem but you've got a retention problem. How many people that actually enter active duty, what percentage of soldiers do you think remain until retirement? 10%. Oh, 19. Wow. Yeah. 19%. Okay. Yeah. So let, I, I would say, yes, we've got to tackle the recruiting, but you also have to tackle your re retention. If you can get more people to stay in longer, that solves the problem. No, no, we just need top of the funnel, more people yeah. in the funnel, oh, yeah, son. Yeah. I know, we need bullets. Starship budget. troopers, it's coming. Uh, you, you're bringing yeah. up something that's so important. I remember talking with you about salaries and I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> like, you're getting paid what to do what? I mean, 
just make this well paid and you'll see changes in retention, right? I can actually really support my family no matter what. I mean, we start, we start to go down that line. I don't know if you've ever read Dune. One oh, he's just been waiting to say that. Wait, did you? I mean, did you just win money because he said brought up Dune within no, the first, first five minutes, minutes of this like, podcast? Dune is a subject here. He's like, hey, the like he was literally like a minute after like the Dune two trailer just came out. Oh yeah. So we watched the old Dune from like what was it nineteen eighty four? And then do you remember Dune the TV series? Of course. Okay, you do remember that oh, one. Yes. Okay. So yes, I'm well versed on Dune. Oh yeah, we've we've watched the trailer. So the first times. time you read Dune, you're like, oh, this is Hero's Journey. I get this. Second time you read Dune, you're like, mm, maybe it's deep ecology. Third time you read Dune, it's the dangers of institutions and institutionalization. And if you read, the second, especially the second book, it's about kids coming home from Vietnam mm. and realizing that they're up against a machine that doesn't value them, doesn't need them. That's, that's Hasn't prepared that's them. That's why Paul goes blind in the second yes. book. Hey, spoiler, yep. everyone. But because there are veterans who come back and said, hey, I don't have a place in this society. I mean, talk about, I mean, Frank Herbert wrote that living in San Francisco in the late 60s. No wonder that's there. And then really, if we're going to talk about how do you, re the retention of this thing, it's the danger of institutions and the creep of institutionalism. This, you see that the, the men and women who are running, you know, special operations, have to be nimble, have to be solve problems asymmetrically, have to be very creative. I've seen that in the CIA as well. But these institutions still control those very yes. and you can see people. how you could take your brightest people and smudge them out because they don't want to toe the line in a really horrific way or or just deal with bullshit. I can understand why now there are other alternatives. So how do we think differently about that problem? So let, let me give you an example. No, I want to move off this topic. Uh, this is not why we got, we're not going to solve recruiting here. But <laughs> look at look at this. So you are right about institutions in what I call the over professionalization of the military. Yeah. Like, hey, you've got to be on this career track. Like, no, I don't. So you look at like an enlisted SEAL. You know, when he's done with his team leader, he's probably like a E seven chief. You know, like, hey, you've you've got to go away and do this tour and then come back as a troop chief. And it's just like. No, I don't want to do that. I just want to stay in the team. Let the individual stay in the team. If he wants to stay an assaulter, let him stay an assaulter. That is still a valuable skill, and you're going to have to fill it, fill that that billet one way or the other. If that's what makes the guy happy, if that's what he's good at, why does he have to continue on to the mm -hmm. next billet? And usually, the military is you're either up or you're out. Interesting. It's just like you're so you're going to send a guy out because he doesn't want to move to the next level, or he's going to he's going to opt out. When you could have kept him for five more years and yeah, three that makes more no deployments, sense. and yeah, uh, I mean, if you applied that to business, I mean, everybody knows it's like the cost of you know retraining a new employee is like ten x keeping someone. You know, I was at so, a I was at a lunch at the senior leadership at the CIA, and uh, they were talking. And there were a whole bunch of other people from different commands there, and they were talking about how they had finally put a number of training how much it cost to train you as an operator. And that finally got people to pay attention about looking at their health. Like you have, one, we're at one point seven million dollars invested in your training. Maybe we, you're out on a knee injury, your back is tweaked, or we get five years. They started to think about people as a trainable dollar asset. And I think that's, I think that's interesting in so much that, you know, we start to focus on inputs and outputs. You know, when we talk to a lot of coaches, I go to the universities and I'll say, how many of you have coached someone for longer than five years? Who's been responsible for someone's development for a career? 
can you and very few hands go past five years because there's always another kid coming in the pipeline. So part of that, to, to sum up this crazy monkey brain, that old system works because you have to make room for someone else coming mm. through the pipeline, right? Versus how do we have a real professionalized force? How do we have long-term human development, not just sort of this rote, I pass you on, you're no longer my process or problem, and I don't even understand inputs and outputs. I know you want to move on from this topic, but one <laughs> other thing I want to say is that We've talked a lot about this, but in the coaching universe, um, because in our own gym experience, and then we have quite a few friends who are trying to figure out how to professionalize coaching. Um, because right now, coaches are grossly underpaid, um, mm -hmm. tends to be the kind of job that you do in your early 20s, and mm -hmm. then you spin out because you don't see a future, you can never you know, raise your family and ever buy a house or have any kind of semblance of financial you know, comfort or success. And so there's a few people in our industry, we tried to do it when we ran a gym, which was really pay our coaches well enough so that they could be professionals. You know, we just had um, Sean Pastuch on our podcast and he's really trying to like yes. lead the charge and say, how do we make co coaches professionals? And it's like, you know, a lot of that is pay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other aspects of it, but a lot of it is pay and, you know, coaches are just spinning off. So they don't even have the chance to ever watch anyone develop because they're spun out of the profession. Some of the, some of these paramilitary groups uh, will, won't even have a red, yellow and green team. They have a go and home and there's no time to come out of the season. Again, if we take what we're learning from sport, what we know is you have a season and then you have to come home out of that season, recover, get better, come out of flow state, come out of peak then start to train again and then go out again. Like we've, we run this experiment, whether it's war or football or biking, it, it's the same thing. The human brain is the human brain. Yeah. And we're just, it's, I understand if you, if you, I stood in front of all the senior um, colonels, all the colonels at the Damn army <laughs> at the, at, the, at uh, uh, in, in Texas, they're all responsible for the healthcare. And I was like, look, you had, Million non-combat related orthopedic injuries last year. It's a $55 million drain on the system. I'm like, how's it going for it? And they were like, just stone-faced. And I was like in that round. I was on the floor. Like they were going to release the lions. They're all up top. And I was like, you know, maybe you turn it over to me. And I'll... I'll like I'll, the Emperor I'll, in Star Wars, baby. I, know, I was like, I'll uh, split with you whatever I save There's you. a lot in the it's military you could turn over to the private sector. And they would solve it faster, better, and cheaper. They, you, you just talk... So the military... And I'm warped by where I was because we move very fast, but yeah. the rest of the military does not. And it is a slow beast. And we are learning. The military slowly learns. I mean, the reason, you know, in the military we do a few things well, and it's usually war-related. Now, with regards to human performance, that's not a forte. And we've learned that you go find who's the very best in the private sector like yourselves. You bring them in and let them help you design your program. Do you do you think, and I know we have a lot to talk about, but do you think um, <laughs> some of the features is that we're just thinking in a time scale that's too short? Because Juliet and I are like, oh, the breakneck pace is the glacial pace. This is as fast as we can make change. It's just not fast enough for us to catch a generation of people. And, and is our rate of change too slow to be significant? We actually, you know, the culture, the changes, the young lieutenants that I talk to now, they are in charge of the men and women they're working with. And it's different game. They're eating differently. They, they think differently. The psychology is different. So it's taken a generation of leadership development for things to begin to be changed. Is that how long we need to think in terms of our kids and, you know, that 
I'm like that. That's sometimes I'm like maybe the whole problem is we're just. Yeah, thinking but I mean, if you even just scale. look in in the sports performance world, I mean, look at the difference between you and I being professional athletes in the '90s, and if we were to drop in and be professional athletes today, right? Like, I think sometimes you need to look backwards to see how much progress we made. Smoke so that chump. You're one percenters. You are one percenters in terms of just performance alone, and for one percenters, nothing moves at a pace that will satisfy them. Mm. You just brought up an example prior to that. We started recording. You said, hey, the fitness industry is having a, uh, an allergic reaction to Ozempic. And you're saying, well, you had 15 years. Uh, and, uh, and I'll let you yeah. go off on the tangent there, uh, which which I, I actually want to press you on a few uh, po- of the points you made. But if you could sort of cover. Yeah, yeah. Y- yeah. Well, the first thing is that, you know, I think we came through right at COVID, mm-hmm. hit, and Julie and I were like, oh, I'm gonna just here's my second Dune reference, everyone. If you're just counting, do a shot, do a shot of blue blue juice. Our test is crisis and observation. That's why she puts her his hand in the box, right? We put you under some stress and we test how effective your training is. That's why we train. That's why we do all the things that we do. And that's why ultimately the game is just a test. And when you realize that, you never lose. You just sort of like, oh, I just have to make different decisions or train differently or have these different things. So we have this culture, this society set up, and all of a sudden we just yank away thing away. And how did you self-soothe? How did you cook? How did you exercise your body? How did you get out? How did you know how to take care of yourself? That's right. We reached self-soothe. Right, self-soothe. Yeah. So what we saw saw was, wow, our training, our trillion-dollar fitness industry fell on its face because we had a whole bunch of people who did not know what to do. I tell you what. There were communities that thrived, CrossFit communities who had a kettlebell in their house, knew how to program, knew how to train. People Pel- were Peloton. Peloton, people who mm-hmm. knew how to eat, right, who just were comfortable cooking a little bit. But, I mean, yeah. they thrived in some ways physically, but they were yanked out of their communities, oh, sure, right? Sure. And so we talked a little bit about mm. the massive importance of and, and why we still, to this day, are like diehard fans of CrossFit and CrossFit gyms because of the community piece. So, I mean, even for those people who were able to keep it, it was, together it was physically, test, it was still... It didn't go well. So we, we have this test. Then we say, okay, well, what are our third-party validators? What are, what's the validation? How do we really assess how well we're doing? And it's not your assessment or my assessment. Mm-hmm. It's the assessment. So let's look at obesity. Let's look at ACL injuries in kids, which is out of control. And I just saw another study out of control. Like Interesting. So freakish order Quick of subtext. Like Kelly and I love to ask people this question because we grew up in the 70s and oh, 80s. Yeah, this we're is like, you. how many kids in your high school tore their ACL? It, you know, usually football injury from a from a bad right. tackle. Fluke. But it'd be like yes, a fluke thing. It'd be like one kid. Yes. Like everybody knows, like they can say like, yeah, some kid on the football team. Like now it's like half the kids who play sports in high school tear their ACL. So the natural question, why? That's right. Right. So now we can start to ask these third-party validation pieces. If we look at uh, mental health in kids, if we look at substance Mental abuse, health in adults. Right. Choose something that resonates with you or your family and ask, is it getting better, same, or worse? And then let's go ahead and go back to our medical system. Let's go back to our fitness system. Are we teaching? How are we helping a society? And let's ask the question, how are we doing? And let's be, let's be dogmatic about it. Let's be agnostic about it. And let's just be, look at the cold, hard facts. And what you have to say is, hmm, our trends don't seem to be working well enough. So we can run this experiment for another 10 years. Or we can say, hey, we've got 20 years on this experiment and it's trending in the wrong direction. Let's start asking different questions. And let's not say we weren't working to the limits of our ability. Let's just say, hey, the limits of our ability and the questions we were asking maybe have been the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. And we need to really think differently. Mm-hmm. 
And what we've come to believe, uh, all of the heart is the household, the people who live together. That is the functional unit. That's the place where the house is where we can make change. And then we can go to you and your neighbors and the people that you hang out with and hike with and camp with, right? You just have to be in charge of a few small fire teams of people just around you. And then that's how we'll kind of spread out and and create loose networks. Because right now, these very big top-down approaches either are non-existent or aren't serving us the way they purport to. Well, and the point Kelly was trying to make before we started this podcast is now everybody's talking about Ozempic, and you know it's a like subject of conversation at our dinner table as well. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a subset it's, of people. It, funny enough, it's mine yeah. too. My wife's like, "Hey, talk to Kirk, get me Ozempic." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like Ozempic. <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't need it. I'm like, you don't need it. Yeah, but we are. <laughs> Kelly and I are always like, dude, we kind of want to try Ozempic because, like, what's the deal? Um, but yeah, I mean, Kelly. Oh, you for know, cutting. Like if we need to, we put athletes who need to get lighter. It's it's a tool. Yeah, there's, but you know, there's definitely when you when you say get lighter, do are are you they looking to like shed five pounds? No, I mean like, hey, you're you're about to go run the hills in Afghanistan. You've been knocking down doors. When you take twenty pounds off you, great. You're not going to eat. Or you're like Chris Hemsworth, and you're going to do a movie where you need to shed. He's so hot. He needs to shed fifty pounds and look emaciated. Like is that what stars are doing now? Oh. Oh, one. They're all Ozempic taking Ozempic. Ozempic face. Oh, they're so all. It's like in, universal. And yes, you, you you look at the fitness community and you guys say, hey, over the 15 years, we could have prevented this. But is it more society and less the fitness community? Well, oh, the fitness community is getting better, I think. Yeah, I think the role that the responsibility role that the fitness community has is, you know, what I mentioned earlier, which is we've done a great job, actually, of making ourselves better. I mean, we're taking saunas and ice baths and the right supplements. And, you know, we're doing the things. sleep. Yeah, and we're doing the things. We're talking about them. We're getting more physical. We have more tools at the ready. But we have done a shit job of making it relatable and accessible That's to the, the first masses. first time you've cussed on a podcast. Oh, sorry. Good. I'm like this year. We just lost our clean rating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we've done a crap job of making it relatable and accessible to people who aren't like us. We've been running on the ride. Access. Yeah, we haven't. So I think that's the. Uh, to me, that's the responsibility. How that do we reach out to our aunts and uncles and, and, and you know, neighbors? Because I, I think I think yeah. the responsibility one. The nuclear family, and I'm I'm in no position to talk about the nuclear family. I'm divorced. My kids are in Virginia Beach. I'm here in Austin, but uh, one reinforcing the right habits from the parents down. And if the parents don't know better, then, you know, those, those kids are screwed in a way. But there was a, a video from like 1960s uh, high school in Southern California where all the guys are, you know, they only have those, you know, they all little have shorts, the same shorts. shorts. And I'm like, dude, this looks like a bunch of Marines. Yeah. yeah. They're all jacked. Around. I've seen that video. They're jacked and they're like swinging across the monkey bars yep. and like they're just doing normal PE and like every single one of them is jacked and lean. And, and now it's like, hey, yeah. I'll just get on Uber Eats and not yep. actually physically get up and drive to go pick up so my takeout. So it ends up being a complicated mix of where do we start? So <laughs> I, I And I think that's one of the things that we want. Let's, Juliet, and we'll take our, our piece of the responsibility of confusion. We are part of the problem of I don't know when and what to stretch and where to put the lacrosse ball and how to activate and – and sure, when to do it. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've used a, a lacrosse ball ever since you came out and showed us Pretty easy, balls. right? Yeah. Yeah. Great on the shoulders, great on the hips. That's right. And and so that idea is, hey, democratize, cheap, mm. not the best tool, but a readily available tool that we could put in everyone's hands. Um, so the – I don't remember where I was going. doesn't matter. I got I got sidetracked by the I, glory of the lacrosse ball. Let, let, let me say this, and that's my fault. 
I, th- I think we've lost, it was like a Harvard professor, I think his name was like uh, Dudley Sargent, that advocated for physical training mm. in, uh, in education systems. And basically under the whole, mi- uh, the whole person concept of a fit mind in a fit body. Socrates. Was that Socrates? No, but it's also Socrates. It, I mean, I think, I think that there's real truth to that for a long time. But we're letting kids out of that or, or not follow that mantra or that theory because it makes them feel uncomfortable. It's like, no, 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 that's good. Feeling uncomfortable is a good, like, feeling that you're, you're going to push through adversity. You're going to learn from it. But Well, you look, I, I don't know what it's like here in Texas or where your kids are in Virginia Beach, but in California, one of the first things to get cut with budget cuts out of our public schools was P.E., so our kids went to an elementary school where they did have PE, but it was like a half an hour a week. And the only reason they had it is because the parents set up a fund where parents mm. would contribute money to create this fund so that kids could have PE like for two half an hour blocks a week. And man, if you just multiply that by, you know, all these schools, across, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, again, this is a very multifactorial complex problem, but when you take it down to kids, there's a couple of big things. The other thing that's interesting about kids is when we were kids, it was something like 80 or 85% of kids walked or biked to school. Yeah. Um, and, and Back then, the data showed that almost like 90% of kids lived within two miles of their elementary school. Well, it turns out that hasn't changed. 90% of kids still live within two miles of their elementary school, but it's down to like 15% of kids walk or bike to school. In fact, all these schools are being redesigned their parking lots, so they have these elaborate drop-off systems. I don't know if you've, your kids have a s- system like this, but you know, most of these kids actually could get to school on their own recognizance by walking or biking. And so we set up this thing in our neighborhood called the walking school bus because a lot of parents didn't want to let their kids walk because they were scared they're going to get kidnapped on the way to school or whatever. And we were like, hey, Kelly and I... You can't even I, buy a kidnapper van. You yeah, cannot no, buy that window in the back of the van. <laughs> Kelly and I are like, we'll be standing at this corner at 755 rain or shine every single day we will make sure your kid gets to school and it was this like there was all these side benefits of it too separate apart from just the physical activity piece it's like the kids who walked showed up and were ready to learn more because they'd gotten some physical activity out we were able to connect we connected with our kids we met people in our neighborhood it became a community thing like they're just all these little things with this simple act of making the mental change of like i'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier that's all it required was us to get up 10 minutes earlier and walk to school and some people would say to me oh well I can't do that because I work and you know that would make flames come out of my ear I'm like I work actually quite a bit and I'm at my office by 9 a.m. still even though I did this so walk, what, what right? we should be asking ourselves is not you know what specific intervention but what is essential about being a human being right and I'm not talking about what are our Paleolithic like? Did did you have the f- fermented soup? Yeah, wasp nest soup or some like Paleolithic ideal? <laughs> but literally say, well, we know that you need sunlight on your body and you need to go outside, right? Huberman is saying like two hours, right? Average kid spending forty minutes outside a day, forty minutes. You need micronutrients and fiber. You need protein. You need sleep. And you have to move your body in a, in a way, way that decongests your body and exposes your joints and tissues to their normal full ranges. Mm-hmm. You can do that any way you want. You probably, we saw in COVID, pull people out, isolate a brain, people go crazy. Brains are only brains if they're around other brains. You have to be around other brains. That's, a, that's an essential piece. So suddenly you start to be able to say, okay, well, here are some non-negotiables through two and a half million years of evolution. This is what humans have to do. And then you can say, well, 
what's my community? What are my cultural values? What do we eat? What do we like to do? And you can really solve that at a community level. And you, now you don't have to even dictate specifically, you have to walk, you know, but what we can say is, boy, you really should be walking six to 8,000 steps a day minimum for the minimum benefits and really start to say, well, how do you want to do that? Maybe you need to walk your kids to school. Maybe you need to have a walking meeting. So suddenly when we start to help people, and this is what we try to do, I think the radical concept of this book is that Juliet and I try to come up with 10 physical vital signs, bench, clear benchmarks that allow you to understand what's going on in your life and how are you moving so that you can now begin to start to say, how am I going to solve or meet these each one of these in my own unique way? So I don't want to, well, first off, I love the title Built to Move. Get, this is how I look at it. In, in having conversations with John and Kirk all the time is that there is a human biological just need. Imperative. Imperative to, to move. move. Not Your optional. body wants to move. I mean, when, it, when, when am I most sore? When I sit in the car for two hours, I get out and I've got to <laughs> yeah. do like the. No, like Kelly and I were on a plane yesterday and we were so stiff this morning from just sitting on a plane. Well, you have old cat syndrome. That's true, baby. We have a really old cat. Juliet tried to take it in, and they wanted to put on a high blood pressure mask, and I was like, hell no. Tell them. I'm on the phone. I'm like, tell them he has OCS. And Juliet's like, well, what's OCS? And I was like, old cat syndrome. There's nothing wrong with him. He's an old cat, and that's what's starting to happen to us. Yeah. You probably it's have OCS, too. I, I, I definitely have OCS. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, when we flew around the world from oh, the 777, nope. that was the biggest fear. I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know what it was. It wasn't that bad. One, we were in economy. Some guys were like, hey, you know, soft guys, special <laughs> operations guys are like, hey, we're flying first class, right? I'm like, no, we're not. We don't have the money for that. Like, so no, we were, we are pure not. economy, you know, in the four seats across, right in the middle. Um, I but, love, too, how your imitation, because you're like broad shoulder, oh, your imitation is that you just it's go It's fine. Like this. this is fine. I, you know yeah. what? I, like, I, I feel uncomfortable. I feel bad touching other people because, like, yeah. my shoulders will. I, I, you know, there's a lot of not to. I sat in that shame. little can plastic seat in that in I... your Jeep, though. Come on, like you were in that Hilux with that little tiny plastic oh, seat, like you, it, with all the combat equipment <laughs> on. It was just like, yeah, economy was like a huge upgrade. Can I give you a Kelly Star at stri plane strategy? Yes. So he can kind of hyperextend his elbows. It's really funny looking, actually. If he does his like cheerleader stance, Thank maybe you. you could do it nope. now. Anyway, he can hyperextend his elbows, and his biggest pet peeve is it with somebody is reclines their seat especially if they haven't at least looked to see like look who's at me behind look at me. me i'm gonna swear now everyone fuck that person he it, nothing <laughs> that makes is not Kelly more mad that is than my someone airspace. trying to like he, he basically is just like you're a rude horrible person if you try to recline your seat so he has figured out this way where he can hold the seat in front of him and kind of hyperextend his elbows but the person John tell me that. can't see that he's doing it and so they've mess with their button and try to push and try to push and after a while they're like oh my seat's broken and they give up and kelly's like ha so you know it may not be for you but it's hey, effective hey you talk about mental health issues i think a clear sign of mental health issues is the amount of people losing their minds oh yeah. oh airports. on airplanes yeah. yep they, but in the same regard we're, we're having the united uh, former united airlines uh ceo on uh oscar i think it's munoz um and I'm going to ask him, it does seem like service has declined on airlines where it's just like cattle, get in cattle, like off. It's, it's gotten Yeah, wh wh bad. who goes first? You know, one of our friends, uh, Gabby Reese, 
She says, "You, your friend Kelly Slater. Uh, your you know. job is to go first." She's like, "That's that's one of her mantras. I go first. I introduce myself first. I volunteer first. Go first. Human beings who are rad human beings go first. And so, if you're on the airplane waiting for the service people to go first, man, imagine putting up with shitty people all day long. Yeah. Man, you can see how it goes. So you got to. Oh, go I first. feel bad for them. Oh yeah, I feel bad. But for you're the, right. There's yes. We. I, I think." Some of this is part and parcel of what we're seeing is, man, it's on the internet. It's not real life. You don't have to interact. If I ever looked you in the eye and was like, hey, you're fat and bald and brown, you're stupid, you would just slap me and kill me. But, you know, I can say that on the internet and get, you, get away with it. Key, and get away with cowards. it. And get away with it. Keyboard cowards. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think Hiding this, behind your an like, anonymity. No. We cannot emphasize enough, though, this sort of brain-body connection. And I think when, when you say that, you know, everyone's in the airport and they, you know, they are their worst selves and there's all these issues. It's like, I have to think these are a bunch of people who feel poorly, physically. Right there, they haven't slept enough. They aren't connected to the people around them. They maybe haven't eaten a fruit or a vegetable in the last week. They haven't slept enough, right? Like these are people who just are at the airport and they feel crappy physically. And, you know, and then that's reflected in how they are able to show up and interact in the world, right? And so that's one of the things Kelly and I say is like, hey, everybody feels taxed, feels too busy, feels overwhelmed. But we think part of that is that everyone's just gotten used to feeling badly because they're, mm. they don't, their carcass doesn't feel good and that they haven't made that connection that if they actually just do a few simple things consistently over time, that they'll feel better and they'll actually ultimately have more capacity to be a more kind human and perform more at you know, perform more and better at work and be more creative and have this ultimately have way more capacity than they do. Why didn't you but make that the title of the book? Make your carcass feel good. <laughs> it would have Juliet started. It would have sold better. I'm actually, I'm pretty decent with air travel and, that, and I do feel for that, that poor woman. You've had a lot of training in actually being polite and being organized of recognizing, Hey, I'm not in charge right now. I need to facilitate this person who's in this leadership position and try to make it their job easier. You see that. We actually call this, you're either the guest or the guide. We grew up as river guides and been guiding our whole lives. And you either see what needs to be done and you do it, or you're a punter. Or you're just like a you're passive a guest, participant. Yeah. And you can pick people out right away who've organized their trash as a small organizer or done a thing or said please or thank you. Or grab the bag out of the, over, like the allegory goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. You're either a guest or you're a guide. And I tell you what, our friends, we we have people who hang out with who are like, those are guests. We're not hanging out yeah. with them again. Yes. You become more selective in, in the people you hang out with as you get older. Yeah. I mean, right? at the end of the day, all I need is my wife and Will. I need and Will. Come and on. And Dune. And Dune. <laughs> well, that is a huge problem in our household. And I don't know how to fix it. Is I First off, I don't even know why we got married before this was settled. But we cannot agree she wants to, you know, watch like crime, like stories, like, like true crime line. stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And like I'm like the action guy, and we just like it is like literally arguing over what we're gonna watch. This happened last night. Fifteen minutes of like, no, I won't watch that. You and haven't like, set up. You haven't set up any rules. Do you of even engagement. realize what a bro I am? <laughs> well, I always try to engagement. remind Kelly. I'm if like, you said you I'm on like, Tuesdays, the TV like, just goes off, and we're yeah. like, fine, go to sleep. Fine. Go to sleep. fine. Fine, let's go have sex instead of watching TV. Yeah, Fine. <laughs> you, you, you could have said, Tuesday, your choice, I'm here. Wednesday, my choice. So alternate, or let's have a competition. Let's compete for it. Ju Juliet is one of the fiercest competitors and ballers. I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking at steps right now because that's what we compete on. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. But that's it. Whoever's got the most steps at the end of the day gets to makes the first choice. 
clearly, and Kelly, you, clearly, Kelly, you have not met my wife. And <laughs> you uh, could also do. And you're like, you're like, I actually fear her. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, yes, more so than any other. I have. Yeah. I live in a household of three women, and I'm not making any statements. But you say yes to the dress goes on. I'm going to go read. Like, I, look, and I, I can, I love my women. Say yes to the dress is fine, but. Uh, in doses, and then I'm like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm an only child. I'm gonna be out in the sauna alone." <laughs> like that wasn't an invitation. All right, That's by the way, like Kelly's the the one challenge for Kelly in our marriage is that I'm a second child, and I'm like obsessed with being around people. I'm like, "What are you doing, Kelly? What should we talk about? What do you want to do? You know, should we hang out? Do you want to do something?" And he's an only child, and sometimes he's like, "You are so annoying. I need to go sit in the sauna." Y- you know what I say? I my wife. Just, I'm like, hey, you don't need to talk right now. <laughs> Just silence. Silence. Doesn't go over well. Well, guys, I mean, you, this, this book, I want to go over a few of the, uh, the chapters because I love it. I mean, you even wrote one chapter for me on Extend the Hips. Extend your hip. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Thank Do you. you know? That's Kelly's dream that you want to talk about this. Oh, so the hips are, again, if I remember my first 10 years in the military, we never talked about hips. Oh, never okay. talked about squat. Didn't need to talk about any of that. Because you guys were fast. You were plastic. You really were. And it was pre- the whole system was predicated on that you were young. We could feed you dog dog food, and you would go hard through the wall. Because I because you can. And we just didn't know that we could get more out of you. We could have prevented a whole bunch of dysfunction. And you, we, we could have helped you leave service more intact. And I, you know, let's just say that, what is it, 80% of Marine Force Recon retires at full disability, 100% disability, only 80%. Yeah, God bless those And guys. let's just say that, like the NFL, the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. So the disability rate or the injury rate in the, in the military is going to be 100%. We can't control those things. But what can we control? And now we start to say, well, this is not another thing that we have to manage. This is just part of PT. And if we start to create minimums, because that's what we found, was that you guys all started to say, hey, what we're getting is insufficient for my body to feel good. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on the West Coast and talking to some of those young, you know, 22-year-old mouth breathers. I didn't care. But I go to the East Coast, damn neck, and everyone's like, what was that again? Because my back hurts all the time. We're all 35 <laughs> yeah. years yeah, yeah, old. Yeah. Or, or and I yes. saw the, we saw the same thing in the NFL, you know, when we these young rookies would come in and they'd be like, whatever. And then Drew Brees was like, hey, could you go over that thing about the hips again? Because cause I, re- like, I need that. So, you know, you don't know until you know that's why we have to have a culture that bakes it in so that's a thing that's done because this is what we've always done. And this is how we do it. This is what we do, the PM on the body. And then now we start to have a conversation. But we honestly didn't – I should have – we didn't know how important mm-hmm. missing hip extension was. More importantly, how to assess it and also give you the tools to say on your own time, when you're at home and you're boxers, here's where you're going to work on it. Not during the Kelly during actually the bought um, Knees Behind Butt Guy as a Instagram handle, and that's how much he's obsessed with hip extension. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you your knees idea. go forward? That's cute. I really want your knees to go behind your body. Yeah, and, and for you know those people listening who aren't obsessed with hip extension, you know the reality is that we spend almost all of our lives these days in hip flexion, um, and we've become short and shaped like a chair. And it's not easy for people's knees to go behind their butt. And one thing I think is super interesting is that people will fly from all over the world to see Kelly, you know, for a variety of orthopedic injuries. But many of those people are suffering from things like low back pain. And, 
you know, Kelly does three things with low back pain people. And I think what they think when they come is that Kelly is going to like, you know, sprinkle fairy dust over them and do these like really magic things that no one else on earth could do. You know, and he's like, he prescribes three things. He prescribes them to walk more. He teaches them how to breathe. And he prescribes them hip mobility, in most cases, practicing their hip extension because that's what they're missing. And, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, these are things people can be practicing and doing on their living room floor while they're watching Say Yes to the Dress, a, sh- a show I'm sure that your wife would enjoy if she's not already watching. Awful. Awful. <laughs> this, is, this is what TV is devolved <laughs> to. It's, it's, I, 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 have, I just want to identify with you and your, your suffering here because it's real. We don't do that in TV, but in the car, every crime drama ever like that's what they want. My my whole family wants to listen to, and I'm like, this is a two hour story and about and again, gruesome this is murder. All women in your family, right? Gru- all women, gruesome murder for two hours. This is how we're going to spend our time together in the car. This is the first time you brought this well, up. It, it, this, it, as you're, you're driving to, really? you're like, Jesus, don't you get enough? Like, are you planning my murder? Like, well, what and then like, the other thing too is we're like we're the worst parents ever because our daughter Georgia was like. I have to make sure that my door is locked in my room every night I go to bed now. Like, I can't sleep with my sliding door open, even on a hot night, because of crime junkie. So, yeah. Crime junkies, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. Especially Her. when I'm, like, in my bathroom with my little bows, and then her, like, phone will come across, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> her Bluetooth is stronger than your Bluetooth. <laughs> the, it will, it, the, the, the fairy dust, yes, totally understand. By the way, and, and for those listeners, your nickname is the... Supple Leopard, which is something out of like a Kung Fu movie. <laughs> like here's the Supple Leopard. <laughs> Where did that name come from? Two things. Uh, first of all, friend of the podcast here, Andy Stumpf. Fuck that guy. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Andy had just been gotten back from wherever austere place he'd been. He'd been recently shot. And, you know, and he... Not just that. Uh, he uh, literally pulled me aside and was like, you know, Kelly, the problem with all this is that the leopard doesn't stretch. And I was like, oh, that's actually deep, Andy. And you're right. The leopard doesn't stretch. We even, in the, in the book, in Supple Leopard, we put it on there. And I was like, well, there's a couple of things. There's a type one error in your thing because you're not a leopard. And two, that leopard can attack and defend at full physical capacity. And since notice, it doesn't activate its glutes. It doesn't warm up. It doesn't yeah. do some, some mobility drills. It's just a fucking full leopard all the time. So why aren't you full capacity all the time? And that was really where that, that idea came from, is that why don't we have access? Why do I have to do all of this rigmarole to put my arms over my head when I should just be able to put my arms over my head? Why do I have to – I mean, warm-ups should be – I'm learning a skill, I'm waking up the tissues, I'm shifting blood flow, I'm arousal, right? I'm doing all the things. I shouldn't have to reclaim the basic building blocks so that I can do the thing. And that's the problem is that we're not looking at session costs. We're not looking at our inability to move. We don't have minimums. And so suddenly we see a lot of truncated performance Mm. and a lot of people going around the problem without addressing the problem. When you guys wake up in the morning, do you go right into a short routine? Hell no. Hell no. no. Okay. We go but right up. to our espresso Coffee. machine. Yeah. yeah, right. For sure, for sure. And look, we're you, humans. You know they say that is more habitual oh. than the actual caffeination. Oh, I believe it oh, because yeah. I as I often go to bed at night already looking forward to drinking coffee and I'm like, that's a true sign of addiction. So I you know habit. I, I used habit. to say like who the hell drinks decaf? And now as I've gotten older, I'm like, Oh, I want coffee at night. I'm like, this is why 
I had a decaf espresso last night. Yeah. And, you know, you can't, we're finding even that if we're going to get to the bottom of sleep, we really need to talk about your, your, your depressant stimulant cycle. And in the military, it just happens to be Ambien and whatever 16 cups of coffee there is, right? Take two Ambien. Does this sound familiar? Wake up four hours later, take two more Ambien and go to, go to bed and get the other four hours of your sleep or two hours of your sleep. So you know how you wake up the next morning with Ambien? You have lots of caffeine. Yeah. And then you do the thing because that's the only way you're going to sleep because you have to go do something gnarly. In professional sports, we have men and women who come back and, hey, I can't go to bed till 3 or 4 in the morning after a big game. I'm like, weird. You just went out and battled someone, and now we're like, go to sleep. Their vice is Adderall, Adderall and Ambien. The average adult who's listening to this who doesn't resonate with this, it's caffeine and alcohol. Right? Or and little caffeine and weed. Caffeine and weed. And we're seeing that we're just not hitting the brakes better. We could have a, we need a we need a big set of brakes for how fast people are going. But if your caf- if half life of caffeine is five or six hours and oh. you're you're stetting on that late in the day, it means that caffeine's still in your system for hours and hours. So I do like the words sleep hygiene. Yeah. You guys like it just it makes sense much like dental hygiene things along those lines, it, how awful it is. But I think when you're young and you're in your twenties, you can like, bro, I could sleep or I could drink until like 3am, oh. get two hours of sleep. I'm sorry. What like, the Navy do? Just draw. Uh, oh, you really have a sleep problem here. Follow me. Yeah. And then I'm going to make it. So you're so tired that you fall asleep on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> the, Solved it. I mean, one, you've got the advent of cell phones, blue screens, yeah. which I would say probably a safe uh, percentage that 80% of people are on that phone five minutes up to, to, to the point they oh, sleep. For sure. I mean, of all the things we recommend from a sleep hygiene standpoint, people are like, nope, like you can take my phone away from my cold, dead hands. Like, Or, you know, the classic thing people say, well, it's my alarm. I was like, hey, so somehow humans woke up and got to things they were supposed to get to. Check this out. I'm going to click it three times. Yep. No blue light. No, no blue screen. Yep. No, so you... Is that, wait, wait, is that an app or is that no, a... No, that's, that's a setting you can do it Three times. You can set it. So three times, you get a... It'll go... You have to set it, You have it, to though. set it. You oh, go okay. into there. Okay. But you can make it and look how boring it is. You're like, eh, it's orange. So if you're like, really, but uh, Jack Cruz, Dr. Jack Cruz, <laughs> who is all about just, hey, I think we need to be paying attention to circadian rhythm. W- w- recently, someone was saying, hey, you know why you feel terrible on Monday? Because you're time traveled you're jet lagged because you went to bed two hours later and you messed up your sleep you just literally got on an airplane went to the east coast for two days in a row mm. and on monday you're like what's going on yeah like people don't understand why they don't feel great on monday and we're like oh you're jet lagged just from doing your weekend so circadian rhythm starts to drive a lot of behaviors then you're asking well, what can i control can i control for some of this light can i get early sun exposure because for us almost like all of the behaviors in here are in service of sleep it's a sneaky way of saying you need to walk more so you're fatigued. You need to get off the caffeine so you're fatigued. You need to be fueled enough so you're fatigued, right? So everything sets up. You know, even we like to do our soft tissue mobilization in the evening because it was like a downregulation massage right before you went to bed. And that now you've just given yourself a habitual cue. I know what comes next after the massage. I go to bed. So how do we think differently about all of these? Again, all the behaviors, essential behaviors – so that we can have a better outcome. Because our hypothesis is that you're actually not working at your limits. You're working at your perceived limits. Yeah. The other thing with these sleep hygiene tactics is that 
I think a lot of people think it's like a choose your own adventure. They're like, okay, well, there are these 10 things and I'm going to do two of them. And they're like, well, I tried sleep hygiene. It didn't work for me, but it's not a choose your own adventure. It really is like, you need to do all the things, all 10 of them. Like you have and to, it has to be months. dark. How long be have you cold. been? You know, you got to stop the caffeine at noon. Like it's got to be all these things. And when we really drill down with people who are still struggling with sleep, they're usually getting, they're doing like three out of 10. So they think that they've kind of checked the boxes, but it's not like that. It's like, you really need to do all the things, not just pick and choose. And more importantly, you want to set up your world so you don't have to think about doing one of those yeah, things. Yeah. Like we treat with like, we are basically Found like babies. To the point where they're foundational habits. Yeah. Just like we, as a thing. Oh, it's past noon. I'm not going to drink caffeine anymore. Done. Yeah. Right? So it's not another decision. I want you to use your willpower on stuff that really matters. Not on like pissant, low-level crap. It really, you know, so check this out. This Again, Julian and I get to spend a lot of time in high-performance high environments. It's really fun. All Blacks, 49ers, choose, choose the Warriors. We see a lot you, of dirty You worked laundry. with the All Blacks? We do. Shut the front door. We get to see a lot and talk and talk to them the about how they solve all the problems that we're talking about here. So, I mean, we're Nick Gill is their strength conditioning coach, is a mate of ours, and we we really are trying to understand how do the All Blacks handle travel, how do the All Blacks stand nutrition. The All Blacks are all on the Supple Leopard. They're on our TRS app. They're on. They use our stuff, right? No so, kidding. the the key here is to think, okay, how can I work these things in? So, here's an example. I play around with intermittent fasting, just like everyone else did, right? Because I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. this is a new f health fitness fad. Let me see if it works. And let me see if I can be less gross for my wife, right? Which is super cool for me. So I'm like, I'm not really that food motivated in the morning because a lot of people aren't. Just not. Like, have some coffee. Let's go. So I'm deeply <laughs> in the deficit of calories. I'm undercaloried by the time it comes for me to train. My mm -hmm. training sucks. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. I don't eat. I don't have enough calories to burn it down. Maybe that's not working for me. But then comes at like 10 o'clock, I'm so undercaloried that I eat like a jar of peanut butter and some chicken yeah. and a, and a yeah. sleeve of cookies. And Juliet's like, mm, I, I don't know if that's what we should be doing at 10 o'clock right before we go to bed. I'm, it's fine. It's fine. I sleep like crap. Wake up the next morning. I'm like, let's intermittent fast again. And what I saw was not only did my performance suck, my sleep started to suck. And so I can now make a big boy decision about, I'm not telling them, hey, we're gonna, we don't have time to eat. We're going. Fine. That's fine. You should be able to do that. But a big boy decision about, hey, are these habits serving the greater whole? And it's not an identity. I'm an intermittent faster. I do. You know, I think that's a really fun way of thinking about how do all these things fit together? And what are, what are the things I like to do that, that, that work with me? You like to eat ribeyes and only eat berries? Knock yourself out. But show me you're actually getting enough of mm. all those things. I think you you see a commercialization of certain things like the intermittent fasting. Oh, for sure. And then it was the carnivore diet and this diet or this. Sure. And people jump on board because as a society, we, we look for the hack. We look for the shortcut always. How can I get results overnight? And yeah, the intermittent fasting, I tried it. It just, I, I binge by the end of the uh the day. The day. And I go yeah. beyond the macros, you know, count for the day. So right, you're just behind and starving. Yeah. I mean, you know it was what? actually we, Rob Wolf who was like, hey, maybe this isn't great for us. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, and Stacey well, and Stacey and Sims, Sims for women. Yeah, saying, yeah, for sure. like, this is not good for Stacey, women at all. Do you guys have a podcast? Yeah. Do you, I mean, you have Rob Wolf and yeah. Uberman. Because yeah. Uberman, Uberman's close to you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I need to start listening. Good Lord. It's fun. We have fun. The, all, the, all we try to do, we, we are not a serious podcast. All we try to do is... <laughs> Show I'm extremely serious. Our friends, 
we try to show the people in our community. Because oftentimes people are like, how do you guys know what you know? And we're like, have you met our friends? Talk to people. We talk to people. And we all, uh, the intention of our podcast is just to show extraordinary people off. Like we don't, we don't deep dive. Like sometimes they want to talk about a book or something. But we're like, how did you get to be you? People should follow you. We think you're great. That's all it is. Well, the, yeah, the you, idea. you talk to people who know more than you on a specific subject. Right. And you learn. Oh, that's, that's like 99%. Yeah, of and I just think we're both. Which is like 99.9% of people know way, way more, more than, than us. I do. Yeah. yeah. And we're just both curious people. And we, you know, we describe our house as like a space station. And so at any given time at our house, it's like people are coming in and out. And there's really very little sort of space between our personal life and professional life. Like it's, you know, on any given night, there's someone that we know professionally and our friends in town and whatever. I'm sure your household is very similar to this. And we were just, we had occasion to have all these awesome like dinner table conversations with people who were coming through. And, and people are like, man, I wish I could be at your dinner table every night. And so that was kind of the original motivation is like, wow, all these people are like you know wanting to be in on these conversations yeah. that we're just having as part of our life because we have all these professional connections and we open up our home to people and so we were like hey we should just podcast this so yeah it's I, would, I would like to say our house is like that but we've had a slight change if if you see in the painting behind you uh we have a dutch shepherd oh. which uh, have you seen a dutch shepherd i feel like it's a really big dog belgian malinois yeah yeah, they, yeah, they yeah very yeah. similar we've heard yep. of them yep. uh, yeah. scotty has one he's yep. uh let's just say he's not very uh Friendly yeah. to uh, people. I don't think that's his yeah. job. His he's job is not no, to be he's friendly. He's job. super yeah, friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bite part, like <laughs> he's no. super friendly. Yeah. So people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, are you comfortable like, coming into the house? You feel a little you nervous. Yeah. Well, he knows you. Well, now. what you do is you start to announce, "I'm here." We have yeah. a friend. Uh, my one of my best friends across the street is this great dog, Tijuana Pitbull. Like he's a real dog. So we think he grew up in the. He's a yeah. he's. We fighting. call him a top five dog. He's one of the best dogs on the planet. No kidding. But he loves us and our girls and our girls can attack whatever. And you can like. This is not face. about pitbulls or not. But this is when I come to the house. I announce myself to the dog. You know, hey, I'm here. Hey guys, what's going on? There's no surprises because I know what you know. I'm like, yeah, we this know is, what he's This is an of. animal. So when I show up and then he's like, hey, come on in. Then I'm you know I'm like, thanks. Thanks, Boone. But I announce myself to Boone. I'm coming in, Boone. I never like sneak up on him. Like, oh, let me just tackle Boone. Like, that, you know, come on. That's this a, is, it's this a pretty is, smart call. You know what I love bear. about pit bulls is just like their heads. Yeah. Those skulls are massive. That's you true. Grab and you're like, look at this. Boone, shout out, Boone. Top five dog. Dude. Well, got, well I've got to start listening to the podcast. Um, for the, 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 the app, people can find that on. Apple, where, where can they find the app? Yeah, it's Apple. It's also on Android and then Android. or the, at our website, theredistate.com. You can and I, I want to just say about that, what we've tried to do is democratize all of our experience to make it so affordable for people. This is really our intention. Like, we've got to bring people along. So it's not a gazillion dollars. We have, I think, a first-in-class movement assessment, self-assessment. Mm -hmm. What you do you call it? What? Mobility test. Thank you. I have the first-in-class mobility test. Boy can learn. And uh, we want you to assess whatever it is your training, however you like to train, whatever your lifestyle is, come and, and run it against how well you're able to maintain your positions. Is it doing it? Is it serving you or is it leaving you with blind spots? We have a ton of follow along down reg videos. You can just a ball on a roller anywhere, anytime you can access. But what we're trying to do is say, hey, look, this is really safe. This is really accessible. It's not going to ask more of you. Tuck, put it on either side of the day. You know, I have a couple of habits that I like to try to do in the morning. I do the hip spin up, the shoulder spin up, or a little 10-minute breath practice. One of those Ooh. three things. 
And you did that. You, I made you do. I mean, so do you have those open source videos? Yeah. Yep. Okay. We're, we're going to add that into the editorial on but this. I yeah. want people If to we see can that. just get people thinking, hey, I, I got to brush my teeth. I got to have my minimums. That's all you're doing with all, some of these things. And then later on, you'll probably set up for success. And but, but for most people, let's say uh, a 45-year-old man who's like, oh, I've always had tight ITBs. It's Perfect. just the way I, it is. Yeah. Like it can seem a little overwhelming. For sure. What, what, do you, what do you say to somebody? Hey, follow the app. Just give it like 90 days. I guarantee you the oh, pain will. Three weeks. Three weeks. three weeks. Even less than that. Like people start to feel better. It's amazing when you start to remind your brain, here's a position that you can access. Plus we throw in some mobilizations there. We give you, we, we restore how tissues are supposed mm -hmm. to move. I mean, Ida Rolf, who's invented Rolfing, she's like, if something's not in the right place, get in the right place. If you can't put your arms over your head, let's get them over your head. If it's not moving, let's get it moving. Like those two are the central tenets of everything we do. It's that simple. And then how much time do you have? What do you want to work on it? But we know that you got 10 minutes to just do the care and feeding of the body independent. We don't want to put it and interrupt your training. That's what's keeping you a sane human. God. Well, the other simple. thing is we like the financial analogy of like thinking about as compounding interest because yes. I mean, we have so many people who come to us and they're like, well, every single part of my body hurts. And right. where do I begin? And we're like, press anywhere to begin. We're like, like start with your shoulders and neck. If you know, if you're a linear thinker, start with your shoulders and neck and start moving down and then go back again. But if you do 10 minutes a day, seven days a week, or even five days a week, that's 50 to 70 minutes a week. You're just putting some, you know, really good input into your body. And you know, the goal of it is just to be able to keep moving and be able to move freely. I mean, that's really like the ultimate goal of this you know some people have athletic goals which it can help but for most of us we just want to feel good in our mm. bodies and be able to move freely and jump on a mountain bike or be able to hike with our family or whatever and it's like man if you think about it in compounding interest it's like okay start today on your neck by sunday you'll be down at your feet and you can start the whole thing over again yeah. you know and after a while you get a little bit sophisticated you know i like you you know my hips are super tight my ankles are super tight so those are areas that i you know i tend to focus on more because they're sort of like problem areas for me but you know once people have gone up down on their body a bit a couple times they're going to know where their their trouble areas are or if they take our test you're going to know um and start in those places if you're a veteran who's financially struggling just reach out to us take uh, god bless you guys for that and i know you've always been tight and close with the, the communities and, and big supporters um you know you know, for me, I, I said tight ITBs. We had uh, Dr. Uh, Jason uh, Wurzlin on, the third body. Oh, yeah. And combined with the lacrosse ball and the Theragun. I, so I get up and I'll do the Theragun right away before I even get out of bed awesome. on, on the ITBs. And it's, it feels so good. Oh, it's been you a figured noticeable it out. difference. And if we, ever, if we ever gave you some hip extension, that would resolve oh, itself. I'm going to go look these up but, and actually uh, get back into it. What you're, what you're really hitting on is finally you're like, ah, oh, here's how my body's unique mm. based on my movement history, my injury history, that these few things allow me to feel better so I can do what I want to do. And I think that's where people stop sort of, they lose the, the thread where, yes, my pelvis is a little wider, my femur's a little wider, I have movement styles a little different than yours. Our ranges of motion should be relatively the same, but how we express those are different. So you'll find that, like, I'm always working my adductors. Like, that's just something that gets stiff on me. I like to ride my bike. So if I want to feel good, I just work on my adductors a ton. And suddenly, I've got my own little secret squirrel program that's predicated on my lifestyle and things I want to do. Mm -hmm. And it's not an overwhelming list of stuff I got to do. It's only like, there's only like three or four things that I do regularly, but I'm obsessed with them every day. You know, I do remember when he, he showed up, when he had like white shorts on, which is fine. <laughs> But it was like a white belt. I think you had a. Do you, do you ever have a Gucci belt? I don't, yes. Do you have white shorts? 
Yes, he white had shorts, a white belt. He white 100% belt? had a white belt. And I remember that. And you think naturally the guys are like, who's this guy? Oh, for sure. And then you turn around, and I remember somebody's like, damn, that, that, that guy's got a trunk. Like, dude, like, they, they <laughs> he's big. He's like, that belt. He's big. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's yeah, that, those were uh, those were fun times. I, total. Were you in that? Were you in that uh, when you guys were in CQB and Scotty threw me in? Yes, that was. Uh, yes, my heart rate has never gone so high. And funny enough, I just had one of the guys who was one of the instructors on yesterday. Amazing. Yeah, um, Andrew Sullivan, Sully. Uh, oh, Sully. Oh looks, my God. Looks looks like George Clooney from oh. Boston. Oh yeah, wildly handsome dude. Um, genius. So genius. that's why I get always like, I always make my friends are like wildly handsome. It's like that when I was single, it's like trickle down. It, it worked just genius. Genius. Yeah. You're like, I'm um, over here. I'm over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they get away from me. I'm like, Hey, I'm available. I'm single. Um, no, no, no. So guys, I, I, one, the fact that you got it down to like 10 core things to focus on in the simplicity I, I, I'm, we're going to push this hard with the editorial. I will say when you came in, lives were different and it got guys thinking in a different way for longevity. Uh, and I think as we get older, we're like, damn, I wish I listened a little more. There was a lot going on for yeah. you at that time though. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were, we were worried about you going were, home every night. You were stressed yeah, or getting up. Yeah. 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 But it's, you know, having God, I, I, you wish you can grab a 20 year old and just be like, listen, I'm trying to pass you a lesson here. Listen to me. I paddled myself, just so everyone knows, I paddled myself right off the national team. I created an overuse injury in my neck early on that ended my professional paddling career. And, overtrained. Uh, overtrained. And I had, I, I couldn't end up having a nerve injury, and I couldn't turn my head, and my hand got weak. And that was just because I tried to outwork everyone else. Didn't know. With no body maintenance. Didn't know, didn't have minimums, didn't do any self-care, right? Just, just hammer, hammer, hammer. And it happened right before a peak event where we were just maxed out on volume. And I could have written the script that this would have happened to me. And now, and I just want everyone to know that, you know, we learned some brutal lessons. And now we're trying to say, hey, you don't have to do the things. Yes. Let us let us show you the better path because we have made these mistakes. And that is generational evolution <sighs> is here are the lessons learned. Yeah, I mean, people. one thing I'll say about that too is, you know, the 10 things in this book, we actually... Are, these are the things that we're doing all the time ourselves around the house. And, and that's part of the re reason why we included them because we're like, look, if we aren't doing these things every single day, then we can't be out there telling everyone to do these things. And so our kids see us doing this and they do these things. Right. And it's like, it's like, well, maybe the 20 year olds, they're a lost cause, right? Because they feel invincible and plastic. But man, it's like, if you can get, if you can make this a family affair and get your kids to care about walking and moving and play and, you know, you know, protecting their sleep. We have a right. That's a different conversation when they're behavior, twenty. Behavioral modeling. I know yep. our fifteen people year old. People will be what people can see. Oh, yep. wow! I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. I like that. I know we're uh, we're trying to wrap, but our fifteen year old daughter is a superstar water polo player. And um, where's she going to high school? In in California, MA. In, okay. So she's she's sorted there. Yeah, yeah. And she's in the ODP program. She's gonna she's gonna be a. a she loves it. And she's playing up at 18U right now, even though she's still 14. Awesome. She's, she's, she's exposed. But there was a girl on her team last year who jumped in and had a terrible calf camp cramp. Carolyn said, come here. Grabs her leg, puts out her own leg, and starts using her own shin 
as a roller to break this girl's spasm and talk her through it and, and on her breathing. I was like, wow, there it is. That's the point. How the way, do we have the... We p- were like in these upper stands of the, the pool watching this go down and Kelly was like crying. Well, okay. I mean, please tell me you done. did this before. You're like... <laughs> I got a video of it, and Kelly's like, "That's the greatest moment of my entire life, right there." Yeah. I love you. That's right. I yes, I need more moments like that with a wife where she's just like, "You are." I genius. want you. She, you are. Genius. She finally today texted me and said, "I will skydive with you." Oh yes, tandem. So it, I, I was almost going to reply. Well, oh no, I rescinded that offer. <laughs> You're good. I'll well, just jump uh, other. She, I'll just jump even, other d- women. Does she even know that tandem is just ride, like riding on the back of a motorcycle? It's not even that oh, cool. Yeah. Wait till we tell him your story afterwards. Do you, do you lay down fine. your bike? Oh, no. Or were you holding on to another man no, on no. the back of the bike? And no, I. We. Uh, that's okay too. It's not. We did it. We did a, a hey ho, and uh, and uh, we had a weird parachute thing that happened. It was fine. Oh, did you go for a second ride, as we say? We didn't have to, but we did some high-speed spinning <laughs> that lasted a long time. So in San Diego, that just happened to me. I got probably about four full rotations. Oh, I that's had a, a female reporter. That's a like, lot. I'm like trying to... Yeah, one of the risers went out, and the drogue didn't happen. The riser went out weird. We oh. were going very fast, and we started to spin and spin. But I was like, oh, I can do it. And we got a second shoot. It was fun. Anyway, yeah. it was totally fun. Yeah. And, I mean, face. sometimes you're none the wiser. Look at his face. Like, yeah, the drug. There was a, Kelly, there was this whole time, has been trying to minimize it. I'm like, I think you almost died. And he's like, no, no, sort of no, like no. A, yeah, almost like a total malfunction, dude. That's it was, it, I think this person who was practicing jumping a human being in mm. didn't have a lot of experience jumping a human being. And I was like, look, I mean, he, you can't have a more motivated person for his own life, right? Like, he's attached to me, and my job was just to stay small and be small. But when we <laughs> jumped down, I remember being looking at the C-130 upside down, and I was oh, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you guys do the flip out? Because you naturally come down the hill. And, yeah, okay. so yeah. we flipped out, and we're out the back, and then all of a sudden I was like, well, we're really struggling. Anyway, it, look, it, this is not a thing. You, these are parachuters, and I can't I wait... I think they call themselves parachuters. I can't wait is to jump. As soon as my kids go to college. Because <laughs> parachuter doesn't sound I, that cool. Sh- yeah. I'm a shooter. As soon as my kids go to college, J-Star says I can get I get my basic free fall. I'm in. If you're in, you got to come with us on one of these trips. Done. We'll, we'll talk to Andy. I just want, here's what I'll say. I and would Andy, feel better if you went with you. Andy, who is just a mutant like and all this stuff. Versus like some guy in Napa. I'm never, I'm never getting a small canopy. I will always have the biggest, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. lowest canopy. So I think Andy uses a one fifty. Um, is that like a is that a bed sheet? It, it's it's we you know well, Nick Cush, who is sort of our SME, our subject matter expert. He, he now trains special operations and, and skydiving in, in a couple other uh, competencies that just don't need to be discussed. He's got I think over eleven thousand, but he has a seventy three. I think it is. That's, that's a, a that's, napkin. That's your iPhone. Case. That's a napkin. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You gotta get um, on the ground fast. I understand. But with my hip replacement. You know, I've got a 190 right there. Um, Perfect. I know the they floor. make. I make they make. I'm sure they make a 200. No, no, no. It, but usually a 210 is what I use, and that's oh, fine. perfect. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you you would actually probably start around a 260. Oh, even better. And then probably move down to a 230. And actually, you probably you may you would decide either a 230 or a 260 probably. See, it's gonna be okay, babe. But, but so we, I had this idea of getting my pilot's license. Oh, yeah, mm. listen to this. Yeah. So that I could fly and jump out of my own plane. See? You, yeah. It's not Elon's, a bad idea, right? I'm sure Elon's working that. 
But like Juliet was like, so you, you would just jump out and leave me up there, and you would just jump out of your own plane? And I was like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, and I was I like, really I'm not that. flying that plane, so what are you going to do, leave me up there in the plane? Anyway, I, I think it's the greatest. I understand. When you want to learn, call me. Done. And we'll get you to DeLand. DeLand is like, you, you probably heard that, DeLand, Florida. We go out there, the Flight One guys. Yeah. Because not only will you learn how to flare properly and actually fly the canopy well, we've got Nick. Nick lives out there. Like, we can set up a good course. To I'm off. I'm in. Get you. It is it is amazing that people put their lives in the hands of like tandem instructors that you just met. Like, <laughs> right? That, that, like that's that's my fear. He like goes up in some little mini plane in Napa with some guy who takes like tourists who you know <laughs> dive over the wine country and like that, that big arch, big smile. Let's go. Yeah, that is a trip we need to do. It's <laughs> Napa. Skydive into Napa oh. and do wine. All right. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Well, we're like uh, half an hour from there. I just so want everyone to understand, over. this is like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where you had this crazy career and we've done these other things just so that we can skydive together and drink wine in mm-hmm. Napa. Like, it's the longest setup, like the worst movie edition of The Sting ever that just happened, but it's going to happen. Well, so, I mean, we've got a few things in the works here. One, we've got Drop Zone Everest, which we did the documentary. That documentary is being worked by... Dan Myrick, the guy who did the Blair Witch oh, Project. Oh, yes. He's our partner in Legacy Studios. That's like, so how great. cool is that? Yeah, that's really cool. The guy actually gave me his time and heard me out and he's like, Yeah, I want in on this. That's so fun. Um, but we're like we're going to Moab to skydive into Moab. One day of whitewater rafting, one day of overlanding. You got a force. And you got a bike too. Are bike? you doing Westwater Canyon? Uh I don't know the specific canyon, but we wanted the class five rapids if that's where it's probably Westwater. Okay, Westwater. Yeah. It's going to be. be real fun. But we should add Napa, and we'll just do a little 100%. men's journal uh, foray, because all this goes on men's journal. We'll do a little foray into uh, with a sommelier. To, uh, we'll jump into a sommelier. We'll jump you in, too. I love it. And I'm in. Deal. No, okay. not me. Just him. In and in. I've got a hip replacement. We also have a uh, air cushion we can use where it's so when you land, it's not on your butt. It's like a I'm not, cushion. not the landing part I'm worried about. It's the jumping out of the plane part. I, That's I, the least I, scary part. I get nervous with heights, too, though. But I do. It's not. We, you, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't. I've only done this a couple of times. What I'll say was, I didn't find that to be scary. I find exposure to be scary. I found jumping out of an airplane was not scary. It didn't feel like exposure. It felt like I was so high. I didn't know what was going on. All right. Fair point. Date settled. Done. Plus, I get to see my folks, which okay. we got to make it back there to see my folks more. Well, guys, dude, built to move. Check it out. I, you guys are like a power couple. I'm actually the energy in your house would probably be sickening. <laughs> I'd probably have to be like, I'm going to the sauna. Kelly, you're not invited either. <laughs> Good. Well, guys, thanks for uh, making the trip out. Thank and, you so uh, much for having us. Thank All you. Right. Thank you.